Dear God, I want to thank you so much for letting us be here. I want to thank you, Lord, for this amazing, um, this room of leaders and influencers and world changers. And we just pray. Give us something that we can chew on, that we can walk away with for your honor and your glory. Um, I pray that my life can be, can be lived to make you famous in this world. And I thank you, Lord, for letting us be here. And I pray that we can leave this place recognizing that, that nobody was skipped when it came to handing out gifts by you. And you have given us gifts for a very specific purpose. We want to know about more, more about where we can use those and how we can use them for your honor and your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Uh, I want to introduce myself a little bit. My name is Benjamin Lundquist, and uh, professionally, I'm the Young Adult Director for the Arizona Conference and one of the coordinators for Young Adult Ministry for the North American Division and for the Pacific Union. Anybody live in the Pacific Union? Uh, really? Anybody else live in the Pacific Union? Wow, we got a lot of good travelers, huh? And uh, so if, if I ever had a question of where God was kind of leading my ministry in the course of one week, about two, two years ago, um, I got invited to be the Young Adult Director for the Arizona Conference and the North American Division and the Pacific Union in one week. And so if I ever wondered kind of where God was leading, I didn't really have to wonder. Uh, it really was in the area of young adult ministry. And I can tell you that I, there's no place that I'd rather be serving. I love young adults. I love you. I don't know you, but I love you just because you're young adults. But we, uh, we love able to, being able to work with young adults. I want to introduce you to my family real quick. Um, this is my wife, Kim. She's my first wife, my only wife. We were born in 2005 and been married for about nine years. And that's my little boy. His name is Koa in the green shirt. He's going to be four in October. And that's my little daughter. Her name is Remy. And she is about two, about two and a half. And so they're my family. Got to talk to them a few minutes ago over lunch. And uh, it's fun to get to hang out with family a little bit, huh, and get to kind of connect. So that's kind of where I've come from a little bit. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about today is this idea that if you're going to be a world changer, then, then it's really helpful to understand what your gifts and your passions are and how you can use your gifts and your passions for the honor and the glory of God. Let me share this kind of opening illustration with you. Um, I used to live in a place called Hinsdale, Illinois, and Hinsdale, Illinois was outside of Chicago, about 20 miles. And I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it an Avenus ghetto, but it had a, a lot of Avenus roots. The biggest hospital in Hinsdale, a town of about 25, 30,000 people, was Adventist. It was one of the primary nursing teaching Adventist hospitals in North America when I was growing up. And so we had a big Adventist hospital, big Adventist church. There's also a day academy called uh, Hinsdale Junior Academy there in the same town. And and so that's where I grew up. And I can remember being in, the, being in that town. We had these beautiful uh, streets where the trees would like grow almost over the streets, oak trees and elm trees. And you could drive down and it's almost like you're driving in this big tunnel. It was just a beautiful, beautiful scene. But it wasn't so beautiful when all the, all the leaves fell off in the fall. That wasn't really fun. And so I can remember my dad uh, getting up in the morning like on a Sunday and saying, hey, we're gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna go rake some leaves. Are you in? And it was one of those moments where I didn't really want to be in. I didn't really want to go rake leaves out in the backyard, but I would kind of just follow him around the house. And so my dad would get a pair of jeans on and I would go get a pair of jeans on. And he would go pull a flannel shirt out of his closet. I would pull a flannel shirt out of my closet. We would go to the, the, uh, 
garage and he would get some gloves on and I would ask dad, hey dad, I'd kind of like to wear some gloves. You got any of my size? And it just so happened he always had gloves that were my size. I don't know how that worked. I would put gloves on and then he would give me like a little mini rake. You know, it was kind of like the miniature version of the big manly rake that was like 10 feet wide. One swoop, you cleaned a whole yard. And I had this little tiny rake and, and I would just follow dad and he would lead the way. And so he would just kind of walk him there in the front yard, just mounds of leaves. Anybody grow up where, where leaves fell a lot? Uh, Amanda is from Yuma and she's, oh, sorry, not Bisbee. And she's never seen a leaf in her life. Ah, oh, just kidding. <laughs> Arizona doesn't have as many leaves falling, but so I'd follow my dad and we would spend the day just raking leaves and, and I would kind of do what he did. He would make big piles. I would make mini piles and they had this big leaf collection process where you would dump all your leaves and debris in the street and some magic thing would happen where the next morning they were gone. I don't, I don't know what happened. Like a big street sweeper would come up and they move all the leaves. But as a kid, I wanted nothing more than to be like dad. And every home doesn't have that same situation. There are some dads that are not great dads. And there's some moms that aren't, aren't great moms. But I had the benefit of having a great dad. And I just wanted to be with dad. Let me throw this out to you. Ministry, ministry is going to work with dad. Let me say that again. Ministry is going to work with dad. Amen? Amen. It's his ministry. It's his tools. He leads us to the area that we're going to be working in. He really calls the shots, but he invites us to come along to go to work with dad. Can we say amen? And here's the amazing thing as we talk about being a world changer. When dad invites you and he says, hey, I'd like you to come to work with me. He doesn't just not give you any tools. You know what I'm talking about? He doesn't just send you out into the field and say, rake leaves with your fingers. No, he gives you a rake and he gives you leaf bags and he gives you a, a dust mask, but he gives you the tools that you need to do the job. But here's the cool thing. To be involved in going to work with dad, which I like to call ministry, first he comes up and he gives you an invitation and he says, hey, I would like you to come and work with me. How many of you here at iShare have received an invitation from dad to come and work with him? I think everybody or else you wouldn't be doing what you were doing all summer. And we wouldn't be here talking about ministry if we hadn't first gotten a what? A call to ministry. And so God calls us and he says, I don't need you to do this work, but I want you to be part of this work. How privileged are we as a people to be invited to be part of the work of saving souls for the honor and the glory of God? Can you say amen? I think there is no higher calling than to be able to partner with dad, with Jesus, to be able to work for the saving of souls. Amen? So what we're going to talk about is this today. We're going to talk about the calling a little bit. And we're going to talk about the gifting a little bit. And we're going to talk about your passions a little bit. And we're going to talk about where leaving iShare 
Can you know with certainty that you can make the greatest impact for the cause of Christ, period? Would you like to know that? How many of you are not about wasting time? When I first began to do uh, ministry in, in Arizona, my, my routine in the evening was, it looked like this, my kids would go to bed, and it was one of the only times when it was kind of quiet around the house. So at 10 o'clock at night, I would get up, and I would walk around my neighborhood, and I would do something called prayer walking. Anybody like the prayer walk? I've got a disease called spiritual ADHD, and what it means is that if I sit often to do a devotional connection time, can you kind of get that I'm a little bit wired, but if I, if I sit to do this, my mind often goes all over the place, and it's kind of a coined condition. I, maybe anybody else have that kind of a condition? And so I connect much better when I'm doing multiple things for the glory of Jesus. And so as I begin to walk around my neighborhood, here was my prayer for the Arizona Conference and, and young adults. I don't want to waste time. We are in a crossroads of history where I want every effort for the cause of Christ to be valuable. Can we say amen? amen? Because people are valuable and time is a valuable gift and asset that we have been given. So my prayer was this, I don't want to waste my time. I want to be able to do things with my life that are going to create the biggest impact for the cause of Christ. And so what we're going to talk about at the end of this little session is where is that crossroads? Where is the place in your journey where you can make the biggest impact for the cause of Christ? And I'm going to end by showing you a video of a community of Arizona young adults that, that, that their heart began to beat for the homeless community in Phoenix. It was one of their passions and what they did on a single Sabbath to reach out to this homeless community because it was the way God had wired them to be passionate about this area. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, you've got cell phones with you, and in the first session I encourage the same thing. I'm going to put the notes up on the screen right from the beginning. You don't have to worry about taking notes. When we're done, just take a photograph of the screen, and you're going to have all the notes in your iPhone. I encourage you, or your, or your smartphone, I encourage you to take, take uh, pictures of receipts for reimbursement. Whatever you're going to do, just take photographs of everything. But if you do it too much, you become kind of like a stalker, and that's not cool. So make sure you have permission to be able to do that. So I'm going to throw these up on the screen, then we're going to talk about this and I apologize they're a little bit on the tiny side okay um, if you got your Bibles let's go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians and when you've got the book of Ephesians go ahead and say amen so we know you've got that that would be helpful and let's go to the book of Ephesians and let's check out um, let's check out Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, and just keep your finger in there because I got one step ahead of myself real quick, so you're doing good. And before we jump to Ephesians 4, verse 1, I want to check out Psalms 139, verse 13, and then we're going to go ahead and uh, start picking through Scripture. Okay, Psalms 139, verses 13 to 18. Uh, I love this passage, and here's what it says. You may have read this. Psalms 139, verse 13 to 18, it says this, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's, what? Womb, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We talked about identity in, in session one a few minutes ago. When you look in the mirror, do you see somebody who is wonderfully made? Do you see that? The more we are in Christ, we begin to see ourselves through the lens of Christ. 
Amen? And here's what it says. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. It said, marvelous are your works. Know that your life and your existence is marvelous. And my soul knows very well, verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret and skillfully brought together in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance being yet unformed. And in the book, they were written all the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Did you know that before you even breathed that God already had a plan for your life? Do you believe that? I, I think it's a beautiful reality. And it says this, it says, uh, we're in your book written for them, uh, for me, the days fashioned for me as yet there were none of them. In verse 17, how precious are your thoughts towards me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they will be more than the number of the sand. And every time I wake, there you are. Let me ask you this. How many of you have gone to the beach this summer? Anybody go to the beach this summer? Okay, let's, let's just paint this reality. I went, I went to the beach with my kids about uh, maybe three weeks ago to a place called San Clemente, a uh, good little surfing spot. And I was building sandcastles with my, my little kid. And I remember taking scoops of sand, heaping scoops to build the sandcastle. Can you imagine? For the sake of wrapping our minds around how God thinks about us, can you imagine having one day to dissect every single grain of sand from every other grain of sand and count an entire handful of sand? Could you do it in a day? I don't think we could. So what does it say? Scripture says this. Not only did God know us before we breathed, but the amount of thoughts that God has towards us are more than all the sum of the grains of sand in the entire universe. Can we say amen? That's a lot of sand. And some of you think, I think about myself quite a bit, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine uh, how much God thinks about us. Amen. And so here's the reality from scripture is that if God in his design purposefully put that much thought into creating us, he must have created us to have a life that was going to count. Amen. And he must have created us to make a difference in our life. And so that's the first point I want to bring out is that we have been created to make a difference. We've been created to be a world changer for the cause of Christ. That's why he put the amount of thought and energy into us because he wants our life to count for something. Question for you. How many of you want your life to count? I don't know anybody that I've met that says, you know what? PB, every time I wake up in the morning, I just, I don't want to make a difference at all. I hope my life is meaningless. If you meet somebody like that, pray for them and really care for them in that moment. I'm being serious about that. But the majority of people in somewhat of a healthy mindset, we want our life to count for something. Why? Because we were designed and created with that as part of our DNA. And so when, when you think about making a difference for the cause of Christ, recognize it's not just by accident. You were created to make a difference. Let's go back over to Ephesians. And uh, as we look at Ephesians, uh, let's check out Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And it says this. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your what? Calling with which you have been what? 
called. And so God created us to make a difference with our life. That's why he put the thought and the energy into creating us because he wants our life to count for something. Amen. And he says this, and he says, I have called you. Anybody like getting phone calls? Not from everybody, you know, <laughs> well, you know, like people trying to sell you things Friday night, you know, but anyway, it feels good to be called, doesn't it? I remember as a, as a 10 year old kid getting a call on a Thursday evening. I remember like it was yesterday, my grandma was visiting and I got a call and at 10 years old, I didn't get a whole lot of calls. I don't know if you, when you were 10, if you got a lot of calls, I didn't get hardly any calls when I was 10. And so my grandma said, hey, it's for you. And on the phone was uh, my baseball coach. My baseball coach said, hey, Benjamin, we are picking uh, baseball players to be part of the all-star team. And we would like to invite you to be part of the all-star team. And I remember kind of like moving the phone away and doing one of these like, woo, you know, like, Mm, mm, you know, you're trying to be excited, but it, it was that feeling of, of being called that somebody wants you to be part of something significant. Let me throw it out to you that there is no more significant calling than to a be a son or daughter of Jesus. That's the greatest calling to be able to call God, our father is the greatest calling. And secondly, to be able to be called into the work of salvation for humanity. Amen? And so, and so all of a sudden it says in Ephesians, it says, walk worthy of the calling which you have been called. And so when you think about ministry, what is ministry? It's going to work with dad. Can we say amen? And dad has what? Created you to make an impact with your life. And dad has called you for ministry to be involved in this work of salvation for humanity. And then let's move down a little bit farther. And, and it says this. It says in, in 4 verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given according to the measure of Christ, what? Gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. If nobody has ever shared this with you before, and I hope they have, let me be the first one to, to say this. You are gifted. Can we say amen? Nobody in this room was there on the conveyor belt of gifts and your spot was missing. Everybody has been gifted for ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Can we say amen? So you think about it. God says what? I've created you. I've called you. And I have what? Gifted you. I grew up in an Adventist home. And, and I'm probably third, fourth generation Adventist. But it wasn't until I laid my life down at 21 years of age on the island of Ponape at
as a student missionary that my spiritual gifts begin to come to fruition. And so there I was. Um, I had been going to Southern Adventist University, and I was on one of those long, extended trips where my, my bachelor's degree, it was kind of like a four-year degree in seven. Anybody, anybody been there? I'm the only one. Uh, long journey and a very expensive journey at that. And so I had no clue what I was doing. And so I took a year off as a student missionary. I arrived on the island of Ponape in the South Pacific, and I was going to be the fourth grade teacher for the next 10 months. I didn't know anything about teaching. And when I was supposed to be in Hawaii doing my teacher's week-long in-service, I skipped out and went surfing instead of going to my teacher's in-service. So I was really kind of behind the eight ball. And I showed up at this classroom, and here was my prayer. God, you created me. And if it's about me choosing the plan and path for my life without you, I'm going to choose wrong. Anybody been there? I, I had seven to nine declared majors in college. This is not like at a cafeteria, I think I'm going to try this. No, I declared it. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I laid my life down and I said, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Whatever you want me to do. The most dangerous, dangerous, significant prayer that I prayed in my entire life. Whatever you want, Jesus, I'm all in. Have you prayed that prayer? So here I stood. 21 kids in my fourth grade class. 19 Catholics, two Buddhists. 18 Catholics, two Buddhists and one Adventist kid in an Adventist school. And so it came to Bible class and we begin to open up God's word. And this is, this is no exaggeration. This is no preacher, fra preacher factor. There were times in that fourth grade classroom that our Bible class lasted three hours with fourth graders. And let me tell you why. The kids would come to my classroom in the morning and they would have bruises on their shoulders, on their face. Some of them would be kind of beat up, scuffed up because um, many of their parents were alcoholics and they would, they would beat them severely every night, get drunk. So here come these little battered beat kids, many of them, not, not all of them, many of them would come and, and I begin to open up this book and in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't even know a lot about this book, even though I grew up in the, in the church. But I opened up this book and I began to tell fourth graders about a heavenly father who was never going to beat them. And a heavenly father who always wanted them to be part of his family. And a heavenly father who never ran out of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And a heavenly father who always wanted to hug them and love them. And here's the amazing thing. When I gave my life to Christ and prayed that dangerous prayer, Jesus, whatever you want for my life, I am all in. All of a sudden, gifts that I had before now became spiritual gifts for the cause of Christ. And what happened was, as I was sharing Jesus with these fourth graders, my life began to be converted in the process. And as I began to tell about this loving Jesus, I began to fall in love with loving Jesus. Can we say amen to that? How many of you love loving Jesus? 
And so all of a sudden, my life began to uh, begin to kind of take this whole new twist. And here's what I realized. I had some really good gifts for teaching. And, be, and being able to communicate. But all of a sudden, one of my deepest passions became children and youth. And so all of a sudden, God began to develop these gifts within my life for his cause, but only when I was willing to go all in for the cause of Christ. And so what happened was all of a sudden I recognized, hey, I'm created to make a difference. I'm called to ministry and I'm called to make a difference for the cause of Christ. And I have been given significant gifts like all of us have for the advancement of the gospel. And so there for those 10 months, I begin to tell these kids about Jesus. How many of you love telling people about Jesus? I think it is the greatest moments of life that we can be in to look at somebody and say, you know what? You are fully loved and just say nothing and let them be in awkward silence. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's like, Hey, I just got to tell you, God, God's got a message for you. You're loved. That's all I got to say. And you just kind of wait there. Is that it? Tell me more. Tell me more. You know, but being able to share that love of Jesus, and that was part of my journey. And what I didn't realize is that fast forward 10 months, that uh, the devil was going to try to try to full on kill me as I begin that journey into full-time ministry at the end of that experience in Pohnpei. Maybe we'll share some of that uh, next session. But I realized that, hey, God created me to make a difference. He called me and he gifted me. But here's what I also realized. Then when it comes to your gifts, gifts mean nothing without love. You know what I'm talking about? And what does it say in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 1 to 3? What, you, know, you know it by memory. What does it say? Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Keep going. And have, and have not shared, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling symbol. Uh, and though I have the gift of prophecy, all mysteries and all knowledge, um, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Uh, That's perfect right though, there. Yeah, and though I bestow all my gifts to feed, all my goods to feed the poor, and though I suffer my body to be burned and have not charity, it profited me nothing. Yeah, it, it, so what, what's the underlying premise? That you could have all the gifts you want. But it is the love of Jesus that makes gifts come to life. Amen. It is the love of Jesus that can raise somebody who is dead back to life. Can we say amen? And it's the love of Jesus that can make your gifts expand and make your gifts grow and make them effective. And it's that love of Jesus. And I could preach about the love of Jesus to 18 Catholics, two Buddhists, and one Adventist for 10 months. But if I didn't live love... Those gifts and this message were not going to come to life for those kids. Amen? And so when you think about it, God's love should motivate everything we do in ministry. Amen? When you think about, I don't want to get up. I'm tired. I don't have the physical energy, the emotional energy to go and enter into this ministry arena. Have you been there this summer? You're like, you're like, God, one more day. I just... I'm going to put on the face. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to try this. But inside, you're like, I'm drained. 
But why do we walk the sidewalks? Why do we knock on the doors? Why do we go into the businesses? Because we are motivated by the love of Jesus. And when we have been brought from death to life, it lets us keep going to share with somebody how they can come from death into life in Christ. Amen. So here's, here's my little equation. I'm not good at math at all. You guys know what equations are? It's kind of like this plus this equals this. Here's my equation. Um, to make the greatest impact in your life, greatest impact. How many of you are about great impacts? I mean, you want to make a serious impact with your life. The greatest impact in your life is going to be found in the crossroads of where your gifts and your passions intersect. Amen? That is where you will be the most alive. That is where your gifts will flourish. That is where your, your influence will be expansive. That place in life where the gifts that God has given you intersect with the passions that you have in life. Where will you make the biggest impact to live in that crossroad, that crosshairs or those crossroads? That is where you will make the biggest impact. Why? Because your passion lives there. And it's because God has gifted you to be there in that place. Amen? I want to make a big impact for my, with my life. Why? Because I've been created to do that. And because I've been called to do that. And because I've been gifted to do that. And where am I going to do that? In that world where my gifts and my passions intersect for the glory and the praise of God. Of Jesus. Amen. What does it mean to be passionate? Does it mean you believe it? Does it mean when you tell somebody about something that it's real because it's real to you? That you're convicted on this? This is something in your life that wakes you up at night and you're thinking, I just, man, I got to get some more of that or I got to do something in that area. But that idea of passion. And, and the cause that we believe in, being able to be met with our gifts. A couple of questions I want to ask you. Your life matters, you're needed, and we're gifted. What I want to share with you um, are just a couple of questions, and I just want to throw out to you that, that I really believe in today's young adult generation. I do. And you may have a million articles that are popping out all over the place, why young adults are leaving the church and this kind of, this kind of stuff. But what I've found is that not all young adults are leaving the church. Can we say amen? amen? And there are young adults like yourselves that are passionately involved in ministry for the cause of Christ. And so when I get an article on my desk, oh, you know, you do this for the NAD year, Arizona. Here's, a, here's a, an article about why young adults are leaving the church. Often I may breeze through it and I put it in the trash. And and I often ask people, do you want to sit down? Because I'd like to share with you what young adults are doing in the church for the honor and the glory of God. I believe that you are world changers. And I believe that it's by design, it's by calling, and it's by giftedness. And I believe that through prayer, you will find out where those crosshairs meet with your gifts and your passions. Let me throw this out to you, then we're going to watch a little video. Um, Here's a question for you. When, you. when you're thinking about passions and gifts, whom and where do you have a passion to serve? Where is it 
where is it or, or what is it that keeps you up at night that your heart just resonates with this people group or this community? Another question, what do you have a burden to do in your life? Is there something that you've been thinking about since you started doing call portal work for the last two to three months that's been rolling in your head over and over and over? When I get back home, I'd like to try this, or I'd like to get involved in this. Who is it that you're passionate about helping? What's the burden that God has laid on your heart? Next question is this, what needs do you see in your church? How many of you recognize that our church has needs? <laughs> this, this young lady went, oh yeah. Okay. Um, so here's the question, recognize them, that's cool. Better do something about them. Can we say amen to that, you know? And I always challenge young adults, if, you, if, if there's a church that doesn't have anything for you, then you set up an appointment with the pastor and you say, I want to talk uh, about me getting involved in ministry. And if there's nothing for you, then start something at that church, amen? Use your gifts and abilities. So what needs do you see in your church? Next question. What do you find joy in doing for others? What would you do if you never got paid a dime for it? Let's be honest. We ain't getting rich in ministry. Let's be honest. But we're very rich in love. And we're very rich in community. And we're very rich in purpose. And we're very rich in meaning. And I would take that over a million dollars in the bank any day of the week. What is it? that you love doing so much, you would do it for free. Could you think of something? Could you think of something? What would you do for free? Okay, you work with kids for free. Somebody else, what would you do for free? I'm really asking. What do you think? Who's deep, where was that deep voice? What, what would you do for free? Okay, you, you'd open up God's word and you would give a free life-changing gift of scripture to people every day. What would you do? Somebody else over here. What would you do for free? What's up? What, what, what do you mean? Oh yeah, you pass out glow tracks. Um, you'd be in your community, being on the ground in your community. What else would you do for free? You'd preach, teach, you teach for free. Being able to help mentor and disciple and, and, and shape the direction of a generation. You teach for free. Anybody else, what would you do for free? Okay, you counsel. Maybe, maybe somebody that's got nobody in their life that's willing to give them the time of day to listen, you would listen. Let me throw this out to you. Statistically, high school students, children, they spend on average 17 minutes of quality time with their parents a day. 17 minutes. Do we need adults who are sold out to Jesus that are willing to listen to kids to say, how's your day? What would you do for free? Okay. What things are you best at and have you been successful? What are you good at? What are things that when you put your energy in that direction, things flourish? You're just good in those areas. Two more questions. What have godly people commended you for? What in your life have people come alongside you and say, you know what, you're really gifted in that area. You're really good in that area. You should keep working in that area. What have people commended you for? And last one, what acts of service give you the greatest sense of joy in your life? And we're talking about finding that place where your passions and your gifts intersect. Things that when you're done, you're just like this, just all cheesy, all like doing a selfie, you know? <laughs> Listen, I know what those words are, like selfie, self-portrait, 
Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, whatever you do, you just got that joy on your face because you love doing that. Amen? For me, I love seeing high school students and young adults lead. I love it so much, it almost makes me giddy. To see, to see a young adult um, or, or a high school student raise up and take a significant leadership role as an influencer for the cause of Christ, it makes me go crazy. I love it. I love it. And, and so you, you think, you ask yourself, um, why be a world changer for the cause of Christ? Because we have been created to change the world for the cause of Christ. Amen? Because we have been called to be a world changer for the cause of Christ. Amen? And because we have been gifted to change the world for the cause of Christ. And the motivating factor in us being a world changer is the love of Jesus that has changed me. And it's the love of Jesus that I think has changed you. And that's why we do what we do. And so my prayer is that in your journey, that through the leading of the Holy Spirit and the leading of Christ, you can find out where that intersection is with your gifts and your passions so you can make the greatest contribution for the cause of Christ. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's bow our heads and we'll uh, let, you, let you roll. I just want to thank you so much. We believe the people in this room are world changers. We believe that, that if you don't come and we live out our life in this world, that because of the, the folk in this room, that life will be better because of their time here. We believe, Jesus, that we can have a better tomorrow uh, because you promise that you can make things better. And we thank you, God, for, for creating us and calling us and gifting us and loving us to make an impact here in this world. I pray, Jesus, that when Whatever the next step in the journey is for anybody here, I pray God lead them to that place where they can make the greatest impact, where the passions and gifts collide for your honor and your glory. Thank you in advance for what you are about to do in the life of these world changers. We know it's going to be great. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay, God bless you. Have a good afternoon. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.